Welcome, friends, to another episode of Workplace Injury Prevention of Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. And today we are joined by Jarrett Pikert. Hey, Curtis. Jarrett, we've had him on before, but he is the main researcher of pain science here for Fit for Work. And he's going to bring us some various case studies on how this applies for worksite injury prevention. And the wonderful thing about Jarrett is that he has done a lot of personal communication and research with some of the world's best pain science researchers. So he has a lot of knowledge and a lot of that contact and a lot of that background that he's been able to glean on how to make pain science. He understands it from the complex end, but does a great job of understanding how to give that information and teach it to others so that way they can apply it simply in their life without having to go through uh, all that years of research themselves. Exactly. So he gives us a couple of case studies on how we can approach some of our employees that may be hurting and how hopefully that can end up in a, in a better light and them feeling better faster. So here's Jarrett Pikert with some case studies on pain science. Well, it's good to have you back, Jarrett, uh, talking about pain science, as we like to call it, and as ways in which it can simply benefit those that work in the industrial setting. So if you just want to kind of, for those who haven't heard any of the previous episodes, we want to give them that base uh, information. So if you can give us a quick rundown on what exactly pain science is and how it relates to the workplace injury prevention. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, good to be back. Pain science is definitely one of my favorite topics in healthcare. Essentially, it's just a way to, to help explain what pain really is to people. There's been a misconception and there's a lot of catastrophic fear, I would say, of, of what pain and what kind of injuries can happen to us these days. And a lot of it is because we have such a good healthcare system that we don't quite know how to just internalize some of the, the things that we deal with on the day to day. So pain science is one of the ways that we can help people just understand what they're feeling, why they're feeling it, and give them a little more clarity. So one of the, the best ways to actually help somebody that's struggling with something internally on their own. Well, and that's what's so important is that you're including the person. It's not a, I'm only, I'm the only one here to give you information, but you're in, including them in that healing process almost. Instead of just giving them something to mask, it, it gives them something deeper to, to think about and understand uh, and be a part of the solution, if you will. Would you agree with that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you looked back in the, the 50s, people just had to figure it out on their own, right? We just dealt with things. It is what it is. I'll just uh, worry about that later. And then I think as we moved into the, the 2K era, we started to get really reliant on needing an answer and clarification and just worrying, you know, we were just more and more scared about what could be happening on the inside. That's just a lot of the advances in technology. We were starting to get more pictures and more clarity on what was actually inside. So unfortunately, the, the good and the benefits of all that, because it can really help somebody, we became so reliant on it. I think we lost that ability to just deal with things on our own and be a part of the situation that's happening. Now, today we want to talk about some different examples or case studies, if you will, about uh, different ways how a similar injury was approached by different things. But uh, can you give the audience a, a example of how you have used pain science for yourself? Yeah, well, actually, coincidentally, uh, about two weeks ago, I had a nice low back strain. I have a two-year-old toddler, so. Oh, uh, yeah, so chasing the little guy around, a classic diaper change. Uh, little Mr. Independent doesn't want to be up on the changing station anymore, so insists on being on the floor. So dad's helping him get everything changed to go to pick him up. Well, I did the, the classic no-no. 
bend all the way forward, full reach, 30-pound child. Felt a nice pop right in the low back area there. So, you know, as the pain science guy in the household, you can imagine the the dread of walking down the hall to tell my wife that I, I tweaked something in my low back. <laughs> yeah, that's never you never want to be that person, but... Yeah. So, so there I am. Uh, long story short, you know, I, I did the classic. The, the moment you feel a pop, right? If you've never had one, it's hard to, to understand this, but most people will experience it eventually. And you, you just kind of have that moment where everything runs through your head. Like the what if scenario. Oh my God, what kind of pop was that? Right? Like that's what's streaming through my head. Luckily, knowing everything in the medical system, I just laid down, I took my time, got to the floor, three long deep breaths, did my quick check over 30 seconds to make sure that uh, I could still function and move and get up safely, you know, and that that's the, the calm down period, right? It's just like when the little kid falls, right? When my little guy wipes out, you know, I have to make a quick split second decision. Do you, do you kind of giggle? Do you play it off? Do you rush over and pick them up and, you know, get emotional? So you just have that very first instant where you just need to calm the situation down take some long deep breaths and I was able to just kind of test the waters and I knew in 30 seconds that okay the next week is probably going to suck but it's going to be just fine after that so there's the win of pain science on my story in just the last week and a half was you know I specifically felt the nasty pop I knew that it was going to hurt I knew that I'd be okay to just walk down the hall and I also knew that that pain was going to be okay and that's one of the hard things to kind of grasp is it's going to hurt, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the pop meant I'm in big trouble. I need to rush in. I need to lock up. I need to go lay down. That's some of the understanding that we can help and spread to people and actually teach them how to do some of the stuff on themselves, what to check for. And it's a simple process. We're not looking to do in-depth MRIs on every little pop. We can actually help people in a lot simpler ways. Living in Minnesota, I can definitely think of an example myself as far as slipping on the ice. And then and you you sit there and you're like, oh, dear. But you kind of take an inventory. Okay, I can move my right leg. I can move my left leg. Okay, my shoulders and my wrists feel okay. And just kind of going through that inventory, you know, and, and looking back on that situation and having kind of been educated more in the pain science world, I can understand that that's what I was doing to myself. And so I, you know, that it's something, also, as kind of a, a healthcare provider, we we both have that knowledge that that's a quick kind of rundown that we can do. But I've also definitely had on-site injuries that I've talked with employees and the narrative definitely starts with the, I heard a pop. So can you go into a little bit more on, on how we can help those people out? Yeah, I think, Amber, you said it perfectly. You just did that quick self-check, right? You felt, you felt a pop, you had a slip, you felt something really uncomfortable on the inside. And we just needed to figure out that was this catastrophic thing? No, the small percentage that it could be really, really bad. Or was this just something that we're all going to experience at some point and just kind of unfortunately deal with for a couple of weeks and then resolve? So I think your example was perfect. Those are the things that we all see. And when you're looking at it, people aren't so much searching anymore for you know, what's really wrong. They're really searching for confidence that it's going to be okay. And I think when they do the self-checks, when they go through the evaluations, they can do that. And me being on site as well, helping people in the industrial setting, there's a significant amount of people that come walking into the office thinking something's broken. And that's the mentality that we're trying to change. Well, I don't think your leg is broken considering you walked in here looking fantastic. And not that they're wrong for thinking that way, but we need to give them the confidence that things are going to be okay and that we can show them something quickly. And sometimes they need a quick test on there. Sometimes they need to see it and believe it for themselves. But that's the pain education. That's the ways that we can help people 
but the day-to-day things that they're dealing with. So our listeners are typically surrounding more the site safety personnel, supervisors, leads, not necessarily that person that is laying on the floor or did just hurt their shoulder. How can we help these people take the pain science and and some of this uh, education and some of these ideas on site? Oh, great question. If you look at how pain science started, it wasn't healthcare. It was actually trying to help doctors and physical therapists and nurses use this education and teach it to patients so they could interpret their pain and they could help themselves better. Because we found out instantly specific tests for this that we can confirm that if we teach people about pain, they handle it better and they have less pain. So we know 100% that we can do a better job of helping people understand it. And now what we're trying to do is take that and exactly like you said, bring it into the normal day-to-day stuff. How can we take this into the workplace? My favorite example is just like the the zone marshals or first responders that you might see, just people that are there to help somebody. Have you either guys ever been in an ambulance before, unfortunately, as the patient? Uh, unfortunately, once, but uh, I ate too many green apples. I thought it was appendicitis. Oh my gosh! I have not as a uh, not as a patient. No. Okay. Well, lucky you, Amber. I've been in there a few times as well, Curtis. So, even when you're feeling slightly confident that things are going to be okay, you're in that panic situation. You're in there for a reason that there's under some type of an emergency. And in an ambulance, so, you know you're getting rushed there as fast as possible. You have somebody there to save your life. But once you rule out the that it's going to be okay, what's the transition that we help somebody out? And that's where a lot of the first responders and people on site to help somebody could really use some benefits of pain science. Okay, you found out that it's going to be okay. You don't need to call 911. What's the next step? How can we give you guys some words that heal versus words that harm and actually start talking to people? And one of the simple ways is, is empathy. And I know we can't force that down everyone's throats, but just pausing to stop and ask some questions. You've already done your triage. You've ruled out the red flags. Now what's our next step? Let's just ask them some questions. What are you worried about? What do you think is going on? Because the patient, the person that you're talking to that's hurting is the one that we need to listen to because whatever they're worried about is what we need to focus on instead of going through our our internal medical brains of like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And we're trying to solve all the problems. Well, they have all the answers and we just need to ask. So one of the things that we use the most is, you know, this can be sore, this can hurt a little bit, but it can also be safe. And that's something that's a hard concept because typically pain means danger to most people. And we just go into guard mode. We lock up, we tighten up, we don't let things happen because we're too scared of what that might mean. So we need to test that. We need to understand that. That's something that even a first responder, even a safety advocate, even somebody out there that maybe is just a a supervisor could help with and just see what is actually happening, what can they do. You don't have to make things worse, but you can definitely test things out. Definitely taking that time to to move things around. And it is so foreign to kids, but when we are able to teach people young enough, it makes such an impact. I know my son was just bouncing on a trampoline when it was warm a couple days ago, and he said he felt a pop in his neck and he did not want to turn his head to the right. It was He was in too much pain. So it took a couple of days of me... You know, providing ice and massage and helping loosen it up because his muscles tightened, but just reassuring him that, hey, your body did a great job. It did what it was supposed to do. It prevented you from getting hurt worse. And he's like, really? What, what I'm feeling is normal? And after immediately after I told him that, that his body is supposed to lock up to re- prevent further injuries to make to normalize the experience, he was like, yeah, you know, it doesn't hurt as bad. It's still, I can't go all the way, but yeah, definitely it, it's feeling better. It's amazing that transition. So we, we definitely want to go over to some more examples that uh, and separating that sore but safe and how can we make this more of the normal? 
Yeah, I think kids are one of the best examples because there's such an influence on them to listen. And if you do it safely, like you're helping your kids for the rest of their life. I mean, your little guy is going to interpret pain better and be able to test himself, be able to handle more. People always talk about their pain tolerance, but that's something that's influenced and that's situational. Pain tolerance is not the same for every single injury. And that's, I think, where a lot of people uh, misconstrue when they hurt more. Now they assume that there's more damage because normally I, what we're dealing with is something different and your body doesn't know how to interpret this new feeling. So the first thing it's going to do exactly what you said, it's going to guard you. It's going to stiffen things up. The body's doing its job until we prove that it's safe and it can move comfortably without doing damage. Like it's going to stay locked up. Hey, Workplace Injury Prevention podcast listeners, just wanted to update you on a little bit of a change in style that we're going to be doing. Every once in a while, we're going to throw in a frequently asked questions episode. It'll be a shorter little episode, maybe 10, 15 minutes, where we answer one of the most frequently asked questions in the ergonomics, safety, and just general workplace injury prevention world. So we'll have one of those coming up in our next episode. So that's just the, the motion is lotion. That's just something we can get people moving and we can test things out, even if it's not exactly where it hurts. Just get things moving. That's why walking is one of the absolute best things we can do. You know, we don't want to overexercise. We don't want to make things worse. But if your job is physical labor and we can find a way to do it safely and keep you moving, you're probably going to heal a lot faster. So this is one of the ways that we can help people understand and find ways to move And we just don't want to overly aggravate that area that's maybe locked up, maybe a little more aggressively tight. So we want to keep them moving and and active. Some of my favorite examples, uh, we actually just had some really good case studies just come out. So with the shoulder, a couple of recent examples that I'd like to share. Uh, One person just ready to throw the towel in, extremely frustrated, angry with all kinds of stuff between the job, personal life. There's a lot of factors involved, but just the shoulder was the cherry on top, ready to be done. And uh, going through the testing, functionality was actually really good, which when you're doing testing on somebody and you can see that they can function well and they have pretty good strength, you know that internally there can't be anything too significant that's screaming red flags. So huge win right off the bat compared to another fellow that was similar situation, very frustrated, very tense, a lot of overtime, a lot of consistent aggravating factors in the workplace. Uh, more than personal, let me put it that way in a, a friendly way. Very, very similar. Good function, could reach up in the air just fine. Um, good strength, annoying, dull ache constantly there, aggravated daily from certain repetition motions. So these two people have very, very similar shoulders if you're looking at them. Wouldn't say either's a red flag, either's a huge concern of something bad happening today. And they, they both had extremely different outcomes. And this is kind of the fun part. to to talk about and how pain science influences. But I said earlier, people need a little bit of confidence that things are gonna be okay. So as we're going through these tests, they need to see some wins, they need to see some understanding. So explaining the testing that we're going through was one of the good options. Seeing progress with both patients. So as we're going through and we're teaching them how to, to act safely, how to keep their elbows tucked in, to protect the shoulder on how valuable this can do, sleeping positions, the amount of sleep you get. We're going through the list of how to help people. And then we see the the one, the gal was actually taking a nice win. All of a sudden, wow, that felt a little bit better today. And we just keep going with the wins. Everything keeps moving the right direction as it should in healthcare. Well, the other person had the complete opposite. 
And the only thing that was different in that situation was the overtime in that area and frustration that he wasn't being heard because he kept saying that this job is making it worse. And even though we tested and things weren't getting worse, structurally, he felt that it was going to continue to get worse to the point of needing an MRI, needing possible surgery. There was just a lot of factors. His was the perfect example of the job was the threat more than the pain. Because one person came in and they were worried that this pain means there's something really wrong. And we were able to educate. We were able to make a plan that got them better. And they were able to see themselves get better constantly. The other person was feeling a little bit better after working with them. But the the threat of the job continued to be the thing, the dagger, that just wouldn't let them resolve. So they continued to guard. They continued to tighten. They wouldn't raise their arm. They wouldn't go through some of that functionality that we knew they could do. We just couldn't get them to do safely with what they were trying to do daily. And the, the frustrating part of that one was they could have done multiple jobs in that, that area. But because the poor communication, you know, from the, the, the ladder down, we just couldn't get the wins there. So that person was not going to get better because we couldn't get rid of one of those threats. The other person is doing fantastic, by the way. So <laughs> huge win. Everything's going better as it should. And that's what we want to see. And that's where if we can help things, we can treat two options or what we really have to identify the problem. Is it more? What's the threat? Is it their pain or is it actually other other factors that are contributing to their pain? You know, Jarrett, real quick, you mentioned the communication wasn't there or the, the one that didn't turn out so well for the site um, as far as, you know, they went in for additional care, et cetera, et cetera. How can the on-site personnel, how can they do a better job? You mentioned a while ago kind of the words that words that harm, words that heal. What are some things that the safety personnel, the supervisors, what can they do to to assist in this situation? I think the biggest thing is is people just need to be heard. So one of the the best examples I think I've ever had with pain science working was we actually had somebody that was struggling. It was another shoulder case, coincidentally, but was struggling. Uh, and I finally reached out to safety and I said, this, this person is, is very, very vocal. And they don't think that some of their really good ideas, unrelated to why their shoulder hurts, they don't think that some of these good ideas that they have for this area to make it safer are being heard, understood, and listened to. And I just said, would you mind popping out there today and just uh, saying, hi, how you doing? Of course, right? Instantly, <laughs> safety ran up there and the person had like a glowing aurora around them, right? They were just truly fluorescent with how happy they were, how much better they felt. And like, how, how are you going to tell me that your shoulder was a nine out of 10 on the pain scale? And then all of a sudden safety comes out to just talk about things, but just that feeling hurt. Like they just felt like somebody was truly so caring and so thoughtful that it just changed their complete attitude towards everything, their job, towards their shoulder, towards just the outlook and their future with the company itself. So I think that that's one of the more underrated things that we can do is ask questions, just check-ins on a regular basis, how to see how things are going. Some of the bad outcomes, you'll see that people were really looked at the first day that they reported something, but maybe the second day they didn't, they didn't ask in the morning, how are you feeling today? Just those small little things. I mean, if it was your family member, right? If your wife, your husband hurt yesterday and you took really good care of them and then you wake up the next morning and you don't ask them how they're feeling today, like that's the same exact scenario. So if it, if you treat them like a family member, like a really good friend when they're dealing with somebody that hurts, I think you, you can have a little more value in that. You're really wanting to make sure that we are communicating 
often, sincerely, and making sure that we are being that reassuring source uh, instead of a... Anytime you have less communication, it, it doesn't help when it comes to issues like this. It is really kind of, the I think, the take-home message for them. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. I think that, I mean, pain science, the, the win of this is it biologizes pain. You know, sometimes things hurt really bad, but there's actually something very small inside. And sometimes it barely hurts at all. Yet, if we did an MRI, we'd be very concerned as healthcare professionals. So, you know, it's not perfectly accurate to use pain, but we do know that the way that people think about things and the, the way that people worry about the threats and the concerns that they have are very, very real. So whatever they're dealing with, I mean, from the mental side of this, something that we really, really have to take caution on. And I think people just need to recognize how valuable that is in, in assisting their situation and what they're dealing with as far as their pain level. So finally, kind of to, to sum this all up, Jarrett, how does an employer or the safety director take advantage of this pain science information that we've given them today? Well, I think the number one is always going to be my classic go-to is just smile. I think the, the power of a smile, if you guys have ever taken any leadership courses, that's just going to be one of the go-tos that helps your entire workforce. But it really does help somebody that's hurting. We talked a little bit earlier about, you know, paramedic, you're riding in an ambulance and there's that, that concerned feeling of everyone just staring at you and not knowing what's going on. Well, just taking the time to sit down in a comfortable place that's quiet and just asking some of the questions just so the person feeling that they're heard, even if it's for 30 seconds. I think that the value of that is huge. And then we can do a lot of the small things that help them. If they're concerned about their job, well, what, what parts of the job are beneficial? Right? We know that exercise and, and just getting the blood flow, just a little heater on the body, is going to be really helpful for helping somebody heal. So what part of the physicality of their job is actually going to help them heal? We know that sedentary, right, bed rest is one of the worst things we can do. So we don't want them just to go sit and do nothing. It's not going to speed up their healing. If you think of athletes, sports, you know, the last thing that we have somebody do is take two weeks off and go on 100% restrictions. That's not going to get them back on the football field any faster. So we have these people working within their limits the best they can. And a lot of times we can do that the earlier we catch it, the better. This is why the supervisors and safety and leadership are so valuable because they're the, fr the front line. They're the ones that actually get to see something, ask the questions and do something right away. A lot of times the concern is the liability. People just are, are saying, well, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't, I'm scared it could be the 5%. I'm scared it could be the big one. Okay, well just use the red flags. I mean, can they function? Can they walk around? Can they actually move in decent range of motion? Because it's not the five percent if someone's functional and they actually have good range of motion. So I think that's the easy part to do with this to help somebody. If somebody's really worried that things hurt, you don't necessarily have to say this, but it's good to understand that the pain just doesn't quantify the damage. There isn't a correlation. If you think of a paper cut, you have this intense burst of pain for a very, very minute injury. Uh, and they just don't correlate well, and we can't see the inside, and our bodies just go into the, the fear mode. So everything locks down, it guards. Most of our muscle tension in the low back is why my back hurt. It wasn't the strained muscle that I was dealing with from the pop. It was actually so much pressure, and every time I moved, I was causing more and more sensors to go out. So if you, if you look at the biology, what's happening on the inside, a lot of our issues are coming from the reactive phase more than they are even the injury itself. So these are why the winds and the movement and the motion is lotion is so valuable. The last thing I would do is, is caring about their general health and wellness. So, you know, it's not the right time to have a, a talk about proper diet, but sleep is one of the more foundational things that we can do to help somebody that hurts. 
So, you know, make sure you get a good night's sleep tonight, take care of yourself, get some water, you know, have a, have a good meal tonight. Anything we can do along those lines to help somebody, because we know sleep is going to be one of the best things they can do to heal is get a good night's sleep. So find a way to help them with that, find a way to support them at work, and then just ask questions. Thank you, Jared, for that uh, great rundown. And I think some great examples that people can see that immediate value in. Appreciate your time and uh, talking with us about pain science. Thank you guys very much. You know, Curtis, I really liked that we were able to break it down into a bit more of the kind of personal aspect and, and how we can use pain science, not only professionally and on site, but personally as well. And and how Jarrett gave us that personal experience of, okay, I'm going to lay here on the floor, kind of take an inventory. So it's, it's something that we can do for ourselves. And like the example you gave for your child, but then also on site. So we've got a worker and you're the supervisor, they tell you that something's hurting. Well, the rest of your body, are you okay? Let's rule out those red flags first. Do we do we need to call 911? No? Awesome. That's great. Okay. What can we do? And kind of work through all of these more positive things to put kind of a spin on it in that way. By doing so, you're not harming them. You are providing the help that they need. I think that's the interest or the, the really important message too, is that by having these conversations, you you know, you, you can have a, the same conversation with two different outlooks or attitudes about it and get very different results from that. You know, I, I love the, the, I don't know if you ever heard this example, but if you put a comma in a sentence, just by where you put it can drastically change the outcome of it. Exactly. It, yes. It, how we talk to an individual about what's hurting drastically changes that outcome. And knowing that this isn't in no way affecting them negatively, it's only making the outcomes better. To know that that's scientifically backed up is awesome, I think. So very exciting stuff and definitely great that we're able to apply it to our own selves, that it's not just this uh, a vague thing that a tool for others, but it can be applied to anyone. So uh, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention of Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Uh, please like and subscribe wherever you listen. And to get started preventing injuries, please visit our website, wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives.